Welcome to another episode of Money for Nothing, the podcast about music and capitalism. I'm Saxon Baird with Sam Becker, as always. And today we are going to follow up on um, something that we said we would follow up with uh, over, well over a year ago, I guess now. Um, and that is the... Like almost almost two. Yeah, almost two years. And that is the Astro World Travis Scott concert tragedy. The full police report came out recently. Uh, it's over nearly 1,300 pages, and so we're going to dive into that and kind of uh, do a little follow-up. But um, before we dive into this very serious uh, episode, uh, Sam, did you, did you know that the, um, the, uh, the, the, the tablature site to learn, like, you know, you want to learn a guitar riff or whatever, you know, it's like ultimate guitar tabs or something, that uh, if you want to go ahead and learn the most popular song in the United States this year, which is Morgan Wallen's Last Last Night. It, it I think, pretty by far is like the number one hit uh, this year. Uh, you can't learn it. Uh, the, his label uh, has... I mean, has you could pulled, learn it by listening to you it. You can learn it by listening to it, but if you're maybe like, you know, uh, don't have the ear for that, that, uh, yeah, his, his label has actually like pulled the guitar tab down from this site out of copyright concerns, which I don't even can't even begin to understand the logic behind that. <laughs> is this like an AI thing? Like what the fuck? Well, it's because you don't want you don't want the kids playing the song, you want... right? Every time someone with an acoustic guitar plays Wonderwall instead of streaming Wonderwall, that is quarters fractions of a cent that Oasis's label is not getting. Think about that. Think about that next time you steal from the Gallagher brothers by playing Wonderwall. Yeah, truly. Um, so is it that? Or do you think it's like AI or like, no way? <laughs> I think it's probably that. I mean, the question would be, is this all the, is there a broader takedown? Because there's an argument from yeah, a record label. Because I've never that, seen like, it. Yeah. If you are selling advertisement against our IP tabs.com or whatever no like if you on like saxonbaird.biz put up <laughs> your personal homemade tabs like they probably wouldn't come after you is my gut but like some of these tab sites are like pretty big and are centralizing centralized warehouses for users to upload unlicensed versions of existing and policed ip and those sites are making money off it and if you're a major publisher you might be like how dare you? Like we want thirty. We want every. We want thirty percent of, of that. I mean, yeah, thirty percent of that. We want thirty percent of the tab money. The question is: Is the guy who wrote the fucking song? Is he getting any tab money from it? Probably not. If that happened, anyways, we can go down this. We can go down this road uh, quite quite far. But I just I noticed that recently, uh, and I thought that was uh, texting pretty... me angrily from Berlin about the, your <laughs> inability to look at country music tabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's real, guys. Last time we learned. All right. Anyways, so back to back to the topic. Would you say that you can't do that in a large German city? Don't tr- don't try you- that. Don't try that in a large German city. That was a that was a Jason Aldean joke, Saxon. Oh, oh yeah. I, oh, oh yes, right. Because of the new track. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, see, yeah, like, yeah. see, this is the, I'm halfway across the world now, and you're I can't out, really you're, out, you're not in touch with the I common know. people anymore. I know. I know. Should, we just, about, should we just talk about? Should we just talk about country music? Yeah, yeah. But um, so anyway, this I think is a really this is a, this is this is a really this is a really difficult uh, sort of transition here. But no, what, what we are, what we, I just want to do. Um, well, it's tough because it's a tough subject to talk about like i went through 950 pages of that 1200 page police report and it's really grim it's a lot of it is really tough reading it's a lot of scared people um describing situations that nearly killed them it's a lot of really frustrated and angry emts like struggling to understand what was happening it's like i think we're, we're joking around a little bit because it's like there's no way to sugarcoat that this is like a really grim sad incident and and you know one of a string of of like and we'll talk about this a little bit like surprisingly rare um truly horrifying crowd incidents um in the u.s 
So on November 5th, uh, 2021 in uh, Houston, Texas, Travis Scott's Astral World, which was like kind of like a two-day concert and featured a number of big names. The first night of the concert at Energy Park, uh, Scott took the stage around 9 p.m. And basically about 30 minutes later, there was a what's called like a mass casualty event, which basically there was a crowd push and kind of a, stamp- a stampede. Ten people died, including like a 10-year-old boy. And like thousands, like thousands of people were like documented in here in this police report as being injured. And we covered it at the time um, because, yeah, as you said, it was like such a rare and horrific Terrible, event. Horrific event. Ter- yeah. And, but we also were like a little unhappy with and, and maybe, maybe confused with the sort of narrative that was happening around the event, um, which we can dive into um, in a minute. But um, basically, nearly two years later, Strangely, around the same time as Travis Scott's new album coming out, the entire police report of the incident has come out, and basically it's... Along with the decision to not press charges right, against yeah. Scott, Live Nation, that there were, or at least no, no criminal charges were filed after this lengthy investigation. Yeah, the attorney said that the grand jury found no crime, that no crime occurred, and that no single, no single individual was criminally responsible for this uh, tragic tragic event a wide variety of civil cases are still ongoing right like yes, a, a, a large number of them some of the most prominent of which has been especially the, the, the people who were deceased have been settled out of court uh, often for like unknown six figures but yeah there's a lot of litigation around this um that's ongoing but certainly from like a criminal perspective it seems to have wrapped yeah, and and at the time of the event, there was a lot of like finger pointing going on, and uh, particularly at Scott, Travis Scott himself, there was like footage of like a fan trying to stop him, like trying to stop the concert. Uh, you know, Scott claims he didn't like see him; he didn't really know what was going on. Uh, he only said he only learned about the deaths like uh, well after the concert. In the police report, there was some sound engineers that said that they overheard Scott's auto-tune guy say something in his ear about about how like you know conflicting reports, but that like he said that like there was there was a couple deaths or there was like bodies hitting the floor or like things like that, and uh, yeah, like basically like you know the report has 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 come out to say that like yeah that nobody was really specifically responsible but at the time like i think i think before we dive into that more into the report i think we should maybe just give a little background about like what was the narrative that was like going on and how it was reported when this event happened and then we can go ahead and kind of like put that up against like what actually came out in the police report yeah i mean i think we were upset because at the time it was very much this like anti-rap narrative it was that like Scott was this uniquely reckless, dangerous performer. That the kind of music that he was performing was somehow uniquely violent, or or had like like a, a, a real connection between this event, this horrifying, tragic event, and the kind of music Scott was performing. Specifically, this kind of like mosh pit adjacent style of like trap. Like, um, this, like, you know, Scott talks about raging and he encourages these, like, super intense mosh pits and super intense crowd engagement. And there was a sense that somehow, like, that was what he was, he was responsible and that style of music was responsible. And we were kind of just, given the history and not, like, ancient past history, like, recent and continued ongoing history of police pressure on promoters and societal pressure on promoters to crack down on live rap music and specifically like music performed by black Americans. We were just like very aware um, and concerned that, that, that Scott would get scapegoated um, and that regardless of what happened, like this would be used as kind of a cudgel against a wider like an entire musical genre that often struggles you know in new york certainly like struggles to find places to to put on live shows because of concerns about violence which can mean any number of things and we were kind of like 
it, there's major multi-billion dollar companies involved in this. Like that Scott is not like setting up. The, it's not a DIY show. He's not setting up the barricades the night before. It's like all of this is contracted out or designing like how the crowds like switch from one stage to the next or exactly. Like and we yeah, were yeah. like, this seems like scapegoating Travis Scott and not being concerned about Live Nation. Um, Live Nation's involvement seemed ridiculous to us. Yeah, um, completely ridiculous. To us. And we and like and we didn't obviously we even then we were like a little bit like well let's see what happens when the police report comes out. But we from what we had heard it was like a lot of like third parties were hired by Live Nation, including like security teams that were like who were like later being interviewed said that they were like inadequately trained, like almost like found out what's going on like the day of. And yeah, we're like you know. There's a multi-billion dollar company behind this whose sole job it is is to put on concerts and make them safe for people to go to those fucking concerts. Why are we blaming Travis Scott? <laughs> you know, like, And in fact, like, we know why we're blaming Travis Scott. We're blaming Travis Scott because like he's a black dude and he makes aggressive music. And so like that's that's who America's going to blame, folks. Like that doesn't take a yeah, it doesn't yeah. take a PhD in in anything to figure that out <laughs> and i think for us it was like really surprising like where this blame was coming from because it, you know it would be easy to, to 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 assume that this blame would just be coming from like more conservative circles uh in in this country but actually like there wasn't it was kind of coming from like kind of like almost kind of like a, a lot of different range of people that were that and that was what was kind of surprising and yeah i think it's that reason and i also think it's like people want to put blame on someone and also, like, he's, like, the head of the concert. He's the star. And so they want to put the blame on the star as well. But, of course, he has being a young black man who makes aggressive music. It's just, like, adding to that for sure. And we're, we're sitting there like, yo, hold on a minute. Back the fuck up. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's other things going on here, you know. And, like, we didn't have all the details. But now we have pretty much all the details. Yeah, a lot, and, a like, lot more. Yeah. A lot more of the details. Though, like, which details we get, which details we don't get and it's interesting is yeah. is super interesting and when we got them is super interesting so for one there was a gag rule on pretty much everyone involved in these this reports until just recently which means that for the year and a half year and three quarters um in which all this was being investigated and being played out and, and i guess a grand jury like no one could talk to the press and the way the gag order was was worded, my understanding again, like we're not lawyers, folks, but my under, my understanding of the way the gag order was gag order was worded was that it was pretty vague. So people weren't a lot of people weren't sure if it applied to them or not. And in that situation, it's safer to stay quiet. And so part of the total absence of follow up reporting on this, when things were still fresh, when people were still angry, has been at least partially due to that in a way that I think really shaped the narrative around all of this. I mean, this story is reemerging in the news now, but I wonder if there had been like a constant trickle of, of, uh, of, of new information and discussion when it was more, was more in the public memory still, you know, this is now something that happened a a chunk of time ago, like all kinds of stuff have happened in between, in between now and then, uh, whether that would have changed things. It's also like, and again, this was just kind of interesting. I've looked at a lot of different kinds of evidence before in kind of like my journalistic and scholarly careers, but I've never read through a full-scale police report like this where it's just like, you know, it's 120, it's it's 12,000 pages of which like 600 pages are just... twelve No, 1,200. Sorry, 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 sorry. 1,200 pages, <laughs> 1,200 pages of which like six to 700 of them are just like... Every single police officer who's there who didn't see anyone has, like, their all of their information and their, like, work hours. And, like, there's a lot of, like, funny, redundant information in here. But also, it's – you get a sense for, like, how investigations actually work. Like, the Houston PD does not have, like, a music industry guy. They have some, like – detective who doesn't know how the music industry works and he starts like figuring out and he has like informational interviews with people who weren't there who try to explain to him like how like mic and board setups work and he's talking to all kinds of different people and again this is like not crazy like 
news to anyone, but who you had at who they the investigators had easy access to at like a basic fact finding level and who was most closely related to live nation like those are related those line those trend lines are related in that everyone who was live nation lawyered up day of had corporate lawyers the cops couldn't get anyone without a lawyer present most of the interactions with a wide variety of Live Nation employees went through their lawyers and the lawyers kind of like made enough friction so that instead of pushing for interviews with everyone, which is clearly like what you'd like to do, they just pushed for interviews with like the most important people and then had the other Live Nation people kind of give a like a qu- answer a questionnaire, which definitely makes it harder to engage like, figure out what was going on on that corporate side. And not necessarily because, like, right? Uh, yeah. J- just because, like, fewer conversations means there's fewer chances for someone to say something interesting that then leads to another person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But because it was lawyers and they have a limited amount of resources, they, like, got the big people to talk to them. Again, with lawyers in the room. Again, the lawyers wouldn't agree to have it taped so these are officer notes of these interviews but not direct transcript tapes for a lot of them which again is because yes you could probably force them to have it but if the lawyers are fighting with you they they make everything more difficult the whole way and you do get a sense of just the ways in which people with power and money can can shape investigations just around their desires and demands without without it ever falling outside the letter of the law which again, this is not a particularly like in, like uh, this is not unique to this investigation, and is not a, maybe a particularly insightful point. But it was fascinating to see it played out like page after page after page after page. Well, I think it's just it's just contextual. You're just trying to contextualize like what we're about to dive into in the sense that like you know this is like the, an extensive report on what happened, but there's still like obviously questions that will probably never get answered. Yeah, no, there, there's a lot of questions. Yeah. I would say. That come out of right. this report, but like let's say, let's go like, before we dive into the to that that kind of thing. Like what the, before we dive into some of the some of that. Like why don't we go ahead and first like kind of bulletin point maybe some a few major points that uh, came out of this report. Sure. So for one, and this is very weird to say in something that's so clearly like a tragic event, and is really I think that the biggest headline that like this report doesn't answer which is that at some level everything went according to plan no barriers failed which means there wasn't a huge push of people into an area they weren't supposed to go into nothing shut down at the wrong time um while maybe security wasn't the best like there weren't reports of security guards being totally overwhelmed in places while maybe the the EMTs didn't have like and the and the multiple EMT services that were all working together weren't perfect it wasn't like there was a total breakdown and people couldn't interact like it didn't work very well but like at some level everything went according to plan which raises the question of if everything went according to plan how in god's name did something this terrible happen um, and that's, I think, like the, the the dog that didn't bark throughout this entire. And we'll, we'll get into this more, but there's this kind of like there was no one point of catastrophic failure that led to this. Yeah, I think like, well, when 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 uh, the crush started to happen, it also like I think you made the good point. There wasn't this like massive crowd charge. Like for the most part, like it was a slow crush that happened over over a half an hour, and the crowd like basically did what a crowd does it wasn't like a panic where everybody starts running towards the same exit or something and people are getting trampled it was like no it was this very slow development over like you know yeah Yeah. half of an hour which is not how it was reported at the time at all and is like very different than how i think people even in the media are discussing this right like this wasn't a stampede this wasn't everyone running towards the front of the stage in fact, like, if you read reports, this is, yeah, there's one area of the crowd for reasons that, like, 
still seem really opaque that when a whole bunch of people had been there and a new group of people came because SZA's set ended, came in to see Travis Scott, which was the only show happening, when the entire group of people who were supposed to be attending this headlining performance were actually there attending this headlining performance. The density in a certain part of the crowd just got too much and people started falling over and people and once people start falling over, other people fall over on top of them. And like actually like reading the reports, it could have been a whole lot worse. Like people again, this is like skin crawling, like people describing three layers of bodies falling on top of them and everyone's just so packed in and no one can get out. It's just like <laughs> for anyone who has even a hint of claustrophobia, like, do not read this report. And yeah, so the, yeah, that that was this 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 crush, like you're saying, um, that happened over like a relatively long amount of time, um, in kind of like predictable, maybe not predictable ways, but like unidirectional ways. It just kept crushing and crushing and crushing. Which is also, which also, like, is 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 an argument against the narrative that was being reported about this sort of like satanic panic over like the craziness of Travis Scott shows, and they're just out of control and so wild. And it's like actually, this report, like, it wasn't this like thousands and thousands of people moshing or like trying to climb on top of each other and jumping off stage it was none of that actually you know it was like this is what this is suggesting that it was the crush happened over a short a short amount of time so that kind of like negates this sort of way in which it was originally reported and not just like how it was originally reported and i think that that's something that is worth considering more in terms of like blame here which is not, it's not just how it was reported. It's how everyone was set up to deal with the situation. This is one of the clearest things that, that you get through this, this like catalog of errors. That is this police report, which is that everyone was worried about like kids wilding out. They're worried about gate crashers. They had a lot of cops looking for gate crashers, Right. They were they were gonna knock over barriers. They were worried that the kids were gonna like riot and destroy things. Um, when people started coming in, everyone was worried about fentanyl. Right? There's this weird. There's this like, very like total apocryphal, like classic boomer apocryphal story. Oh yeah, I remember this. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of that is like goes through this police report until eventually it like comes out that no one actually saw this guy and it never seemed to happen which is that one of the security guards got like jabbed in the neck by someone with like a needle of fentanyl and like OD'd and had to be taken to the ER tent and revived and so like that's in everyone's the back of everyone's mind when these crowd crushes come in and they like spend they're really worried about them being ODing on fentanyl and like drugs and violence and a as far as I could tell no one actually <laughs> treated that guy because he didn't exist like it didn't happen but everyone day of there's like rumors going around the staff of like this happening this guy because like the kids are so crazy that they're like jabbing people with like murdering people I guess like <laughs> it's like the knockout game but like with a needle of fentanyl like what totally insane like, like right totally insane what but it, it, i feel like it's indicative of the general mindset of this fake news no the general mindset about like kids right about young people about this kind of music about the sense of like that this wasn't a normal crowd this was like this set of unruly, like unruly unruly like, wild like raging teenagers who like or young people don't have or, good like, parents latchkey kids who, like, like, like every rap music exactly like every every stereotype you could imagine and like it's been going on for like what like fucking 70 years now and <laughs> like, so as a result right like because of this the focus is on a type of violence and a type of disruption that just doesn't happen at all. And instead, like, these kids, young people who get killed are all, like, d didn't do drugs. <laughs> like, 
didn't smoke cigarettes. Like, they're with friends from school, but not their boyfriends because they didn't have them yet. Like, these are just, <laughs> just like these good, like the definition of like these good kids who wanted to see the musician they liked. And if you look at that, a huge crowd of people, like, there's this like, you know, sickening distrust of everyone else that I just think is so corrosive. Like, if you look at a big group of like, <laughs> 15 to 23 year olds they like are pretty much all exactly like you were at the age of 15 to 23 like yes maybe they're more likely to jump on a a crane because like (laughs) their their frontal lobes are not fully developed but besides that like most of them are just like (laughs) there to like hang out with their friends and see uh, an artist that like appeals to them emotionally and let off some steam and so yeah, there have been some like gate crashing incidents at, at at and like mosh pit incidents at Travis Scott shows previously, and I think there is like a question, um, like an interesting question maybe about the complexities of of like cultural practices in the internet age, right? That like mosh pits and moshing develop in like a hardcore and metal scenes that have like while it's violence it's like very controlled violence that have like really specific that have developed when this these like slam dancing was like first really emerges in the 80s like hardcore punk which then introduced it to metal like there was a period of in early 80s hardcore when it was too violent and then it like made it impossible to have shows and then the scene figured it out and dealt with it right so like actually like you can you can go into a huge circle pit at a really big show and like, yeah, you might get like punched in the face mostly by accident, but you're not, no one's going to stomp you out. And there is, I think a a sense of like, uh, there is some worry that like in in these reports, people were like, people were falling down and no one was picking them up. Like certain kinds of like rules of engagement just didn't make the the jump. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I mean, to, you know, there's a little bit. You're kind of going off a little bit on this this sort of other other track here. But like, I, I do, I do think it's an interesting point that does relate in the sense that like about the sort of internet culture of it uh, and its contribution in a contemporary society. Because I actually was uh, with a couple of, like younger guys that like I was at a bar where they were like showing me videos of like some pretty major like metal bands and hardcore bands and the shows. And that it was like professionally shot, but it was like the mosh pit was like extremely violent. At one point, like there was actually like an I think an Australian band, I can't remember their name, but like the lead singer was actually just going and like punching guys in the fucking face, like like along the rail. And I was like, this doesn't this isn't this isn't the mosh pit that I grew up in. <laughs> you know, and it's like and I think and I think it's like I I wasn't even thinking at the time. I was thinking like, oh, this is probably like you saw footage online, you want to reenact that because it sound looks wild and crazy, but like these kind of rules of engagement in a concert as like a concert like maybe slightly violent and chaotic, but also a safe space. Or you're trying to create a somewhat of a safe space or some sort of, sort of like order within the chaos, like isn't really there because there isn't the I mean, if you really want to go go farther, because there isn't like the fucking community anymore, because we live in a more atomized individualistic society where we're all online, so we're all getting together and doing this in a basement, and then the band gets big and moves to the the bigger con- concert venue, and like we're all kind of discussing this as 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 a, as a group of people, we're all kind of coming in it at once from the videos we saw of like a crazy Slayer show in like nineteen whatever, and like thinking that and just reenacting it without these kind of rules, which is an yeah, it's an interesting point. That's an interesting point, but I think that like going back to the the police report in the sense that there is that, but, like, that's not, like, yep. a major contributor of, like, why this happened. And rather, what's a major contributor to why it happened is that, like, there was kind of just, like, a disconnect between who the fuck was in charge. There's, like, Travis Scott on stage. There's Live Nation. There's the security forces, which are third-party hired by Live Nation. And then there's the fucking police. And there just wasn't, from what I can tell from reading it and the information, there just wasn't really any kind of, like, good information going back and forth between these four uh, sort of uh, groups that were supposedly all together supposed to secure and make the concert safe and also make the concert run. Yeah. And I think that's like, that was like the very distressing, the judge, uh, when kind of, um, when the decision to not charge anyone came out, um, the judge was like very clear that it's like no one person was criminally liable. And like, yeah, Sure, but yeah, the more you dig into this, the more you realize that just 
this is in some ways it's about a system that kind of when pushed while it worked on paper when things started to go wrong didn't have the ability to react to deal with it at at pretty much pretty much any level and, and I think yeah, if we, I think if we like break down like each of these groups like a little bit, like you can see like how the disconnect and the sort of gray areas that also kind of exist in the report. One of the most interesting parts of the police report was this long interview they did with um, this gentleman who's who's wasn't who had previously worked with Travis Scott and was a long time. He was like his late thirties. Had been doing it for like. 15 years something like, in probably long time um and had been working in in the concert promotion industry and just was this like very really forthright informational interview because he was not involved in the concert at any level so he was just able to talk about what should have happened and one of the things that he said is that when I run tours or events, when, when I run tours, we have a crew before the event starts, and that's our crew the entire yeah, tour. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. then everyone knows each other, and everyone has a sense of who to call. And, and even if it's not like a direct, you know, you're not supposed to talk to this person, like, you know George from the lunch line. And so, like, you have his cell number, and you can, like, text him. And that, I mean, a lot of this police report is just like tragic reports of, of, of people technically involved in the production, specifically people involved filming who were out in the crowd, realizing that shit was going wrong. And there's not, there was no way, there were no way for them to, to connect to, to, to what was actually happening. So, yeah. So, yeah, there was, it seems like there was never like the meeting beforehand, like, hey, if shit goes down, like, this is who you walkie talkie or like, this is who you radio or whatever. You know, and and I think that like you know it's interesting because um, I don't know where you want like I, I think it be might be worthwhile at this point to sort of like look at kind of the, what the report said about Scott being on stage, and then also look at kind of like what like Live Nation involved with like the security forces might be interesting, and then we can kind of move over into something we haven't talked about, which is really interesting, which maybe we'll talk about with Scott, which is uh, which is Apple's <laughs> role in it and this big 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 bag of money that was at the end of the concert but i think that um i mean just to start like like we mentioned this at the the top of the show and i think we mentioned this the last show but it's also the sort of lack of uh the lack of preparation there was interviews the security forces the security forces saying that they like were really untrained and that they were actually third party security teams that were like hired by live nation so like live nation chose to basically cut corners spend less money and like hire like a local like security team for this who who felt like under felt like they were not ready for it basically they were under trained yeah and then i guess there's yeah and then i guess there's also now like there and this and i think we should have, we should like direct the, like address this head on is that you know there was footage of like a fan or fans trying to stop scott on stage which was like a big like you know in the satanic panic of like at the aftermath of this show and people wanting to point f- fingers they're like blaming scott now this is then this is the interesting part i think for me for interesting part of this police report was that like they tried to break down like how much did scott actually know and could he have actually like stopped the concert and i mean the conclusion is i think is not necessarily fully clear but because there's a bit of conflicting reports but essentially the overarching uh the overarching point we're making about how there's just like wasn't enough preparation there was a lot of like communication between the teams is that like the person who was the person who was in direct contact in Travis Scott's earpiece was his fucking autotune guy yeah <laughs> so like uh, technically it's like the autotune guy is the one who's supposed to make the call or something like that doesn't and 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 there are reports of like him telling Scott that there was like shit going on in the in the crowd and I mean, Scott did actually like at one point say something like, "Hey, we all get out there, like make." And he had seen an ambulance, and he was like, "Hey, make make room for it." So it's not like he was like completely, you know. And he was like, but he did, he. I think the one thing we can say the takeaway is he didn't actually really, even if he didn't know that some shit was going on, he didn't know like the extent of it that was going on. Yeah. So okay. So there's a lot. 
there, right? It's, it's yeah. So basically, it's useful to think about the. Uh, for what I can reconstruct of this, kind of the corporate structure of this. Technically, this is a Live Nation event. It's actually a l owned by Live Nation subsidiary called Scoremore Entertainment, which is just like another concert promoter. They hired Seth Boardman, who ran a risk management company um, that did a lot of the logistics and organizing and security, which then seems like hired other security companies to fill out the ranks um in addition you had a chief of like a huge you know one of the 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 higher-ups in like both houston fire department and houston police there but they were off they were not in the central decision-making area they're kind of off-site providing support but technically have like operational authority over the entire thing then you have Scott, who's on stage, Scott's managers, a whole bunch of people working for Apple, <laughs> and then Bilal Joseph, aka Busy, who is Scott's auto-tune guy and the only person who had direct access to Scott during the performance. And all of these different groups are making decisions about what's going down as you start getting reports of this crowd crush. And none of them have really the clearance or the leverage exactly necessary to make the call to shut things down, which like... Yeah, it's a lack of, lack of chain of command. It's a total lack of chain of command, right? So you have eventually the security, the, the people running the event, basically, going at right around 10, which is in some ways already too late. The show started around 9, 10. You start getting real reports of, of people getting hurt within 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, um, that like really lethal half hours in there. I think Drake goes on at like, and Drake is another part of this because they don't want to cut the show before Drake gets on and he hasn't gotten on stage yet so there's this you know and there's uh a seems like a, a 4.5 million dollar apple contract um to live yeah that's that's the thing that we we're going to mention yeah yeah that, 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 that like they, apparently apple came into this to like live stream it last minute and like according there was like a, there was according to the report there was five stipulations in order for scott to fulfill in order to make the 4.5 million and they don't talk about what the other stipulations are but one of the stipulations is that he needed to finish the concert because it was being live streamed on apple and that would be a reason why he that would be one of the stipulations he needed to fulfill in order to get the 4.5 million which i don't think and i'm not sitting here being like and travis scott didn't stop performing because of this money but i think that like uh the sense that they really didn't want to stop the show in an abrupt way added additional friction at every level of this chain of command. And so then you have things where, like, the people who are basically running the production are like, it needs to be done by 10. We need to get these people out of here. And then the police chief who's there, who they ask, someone in Scott's production team asks, can we get 10 more minutes? The police chief says yes. The police chief, not knowing the full extent, because his officers are on the exterior of the crowd and aren't doing the security pulling people out of this crushes inside of the crowd says like, yes, you can have 10 more minutes, but then the people actually running the event have no authority over the police chief who is like, has, you know, is like, like the Houston, like high up in the Houston police department and is like the, the, the highest ranked person on site. And so, yeah, so it's this complete and total gray area clusterfuck that in some ways like replicates the corporate structure of so much of america right like <laughs> yeah fuck dude that's a great point that's a great point you have yeah. just like people you know subcontractors of subcontractors of subcontractors and then the whole system can do a thing and no one is exactly doing it and so basically a decision was made more or less to not cut the show really early at the first sign of trouble but like 
someone made that decision, but at some level, no one made that decision. Yeah, and it's also just, you know, I think in the end, it's just like, if you're thinking what we're thinking, dear listener, it's fucking crazy that you would have such a big fucking event like this. And there's like, I mean, a clear lack of preparation. I mean, you know, Terrifying. it's pretty standard. I've worked actually major concerts as a bartender. I've like been to major concerts as like, uh, I've done like live broadcasting, like at major concerts. And I mean, like, even coming in as a sort of like outsider to these concerts, there's like a, hey, if sh- you need an emergency, this is the person to call. Or like if you need something, like talk to this person and they know who to talk to. So it's just fucking – This is it, the whole thing is just like fucking totally – total fucking breakdown and like, uh, you know, something that, you know, resulted in people's – unfortunately, like people's lives being taken. And I – you know, the, the thing is, is like what can we get out of this and like, we'll, like hopefully it will never happen again. And I don't know, like in a weird way, like – the fact that like no one was like at fault or like no company was at fault yeah. and it was is kind of like that's the ball game like, that's the ball game yeah totally yeah no it, i find yeah i totally agree it's like you, it's it, it's scary right like the idea that at some the idea that at some level there were 50,000 people here and no one was running it fucking crazy and you know some of these things were like again even at the ver- to the very last like the um some of the worry about leaving was again was worry about uh I think wildness right they the, so they've got special egress gates you you want to have a lot more gates letting people out of a concert than you do letting them in and so right. they needed time to set those up and if they'd cut it early they were worried they wouldn't be set up in time to let people out in a safe way and so they kept them, right? Like, decisions like that where, like, again, I'm I'm not a civic engineer, but, like, surely there's a way to deal with that. But you've been to enough concerts and, like, baseball games and sporting events to, like, see it work perfectly with just as many people, if not more. You just went to the, like, last shows of Dead & Co., city field like you know it's like these things that's, there's that's people another, can do this that's you know? another part of all of this right that's i think a little bit complicated which is this wasn't held at a, a stadium this was held in a parking lot a huge parking lot that they'd set up a temporary structure for and my sense is that at least some of this is that for certain kinds of of, of like live performances from from younger folks like it's harder to book to get that booked in a like a stadium because of 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 concerns about and it's this kind of gestured towards subtly at various points in the report that like they're having to put shows on in places like this these days where like yeah this wouldn't have happened in a like a baseball stadium where there are like clear entrances and exits and like you wouldn't have had to worry that like you needed to set up the exits because <laughs> the exits are already there i mean i agree with all that but i think going back to my point is that it's it the fact that no one was really held responsible in the end means that like no one needs to change the way in which they're operating yeah. and like obviously i'm sure live nation has probably had some sort of internal discussions and maybe structural changes around this but they could still hire a third party there's probably not the this i mean i don't know for sure but there's probably not like the the checks and balances involved in like making sure that like this doesn't happen again and i think on for scott's side i think actually like you know he has slowly but surely been playing more live shows and i think it's important to note that at a recent show in coney island there was like some fans who were like climbing up a scaffolding and in like one of his biggest songs, he actually stopped the song and made sure that they would get down for safety reasons. So, I mean, like Scott's obviously like learned his lesson from this as well. And like, hopefully his team is like now like considering this with each show. But I think, you know, when it comes to live nation, it's like in the end, like they really don't have to fucking change anything. They can still do the same fucking shit. They can still hold concerts in parking lots, still hold, still hire third party fucking security guards, not train them. Like it, the same thing could happen again and, and like y- you kind of feel like what you also need is just like because at some level again like 
the like security guards maybe like didn't help as much as they should have and they weren't able to like break into these areas there may have been some changes to like the basic um kind of corralling of the people with fences that like made larger areas rather than smaller areas there's also just like it seems like an engineering question right like this was able you know bridges are designed to hold like some level of load more than they would ever reasonably have to take like, uh, they build redundancy into this system right this was a system with no redundancy right there wasn't extra space in case something like this happened clearly because otherwise it couldn't have happened right if you build it so that there's three times as much space and that's mandated by law this wouldn't happen clearly like there was a major error and the report frustratingly doesn't get to it there's a major error in like the at some level like the way these grounds were laid out if nothing catastrophic happened if there wasn't a stampede if this is like SZA stopped playing and all of SZA's crowds came over and there was like a natural crush point like that's an error of engineering and an error of redundancy it seems like that there wasn't a, a, enough space for this for this crowd yeah yeah which would seem like a basic aspect of when you're designing a concert and you know how many tickets or you can ask an estimate of how many tickets are going to sell right before we move on a little bit just in terms of like scott and stopping shows um that you mentioned earlier it was really interesting in some of the discussion again like because there's a, like a and that is so clear from this report that like we'll never know you know what i mean like how much he clearly he knew that things were wild in the crowd Clearly, I would say that he thought that one person being seriously injured wasn't enough to stop a single incident in which someone was seriously injured. Seems like it probably wasn't enough to stop the full show because he's used to people getting injured at his shows. He did stop several times, like you said, just in terms of personal culpability. But also, it's interesting. He in the they they interviewed him and um, he like has these very specific techniques for like checking to make sure people are okay in the crowd. So he'll tr- do crowd response yeah. stuff. He'll be like, everyone, sh- everyone throw up your middle fingers. And if in part of the crowd, they're not throwing up their middle fingers, he knows that something's wrong there. Or he's like, everyone wave their cell phones. And if people, there's like a chunk that's not waving cell phones. He's like, guys over there, like <laughs> something's going on. They're not engaging. Uh, he's this amazing line. Like, when they don't do what I tell them to do, I know there's a problem. Yeah, I mean, like that's fucking smart. I mean, that's actually really fucking smart. Yeah, yeah, I know. I thought the I thought the 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 checks the sort of um, the like health check in with uh, the middle fingers th- being thrown up was I, I I appreciated that. That was that was good. That was good. Um, I think I think moving on to finish up the the episode, I think there's like one there's something we kind of want to go ahead and like also talk about is that the behind outside of this police report and this horrific tragedy um, is there's like a long shadow that's kind of hanging over it involving Live Nation and the fact that Live Nation is and has been actually currently under investigation for antitrust by the Department of Justice. Yeah. And since this tragedy in the last couple years this is actually it's actually been going on i guess they've actually been under investigation for since like 2010 actually i mean the background that i understood is that there was concerns by the government around antitrust stuff with their merger with ticketmaster they were required to like sell off a part of the ticket of ticketmaster in order to allow the merger they didn't follow that the government has reinvestigated and it's like this whole antitrust lawsuit that's really sort of accelerating right now anyway so that holds like this like interesting sort of interesting but also very important like aspect that kind of relates on a sort of like macro level that kind of hangs a shadow over this 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 tragedy and i think we just kind of want to like dive into that a little bit and uh, parse that out a little bit as well yeah 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 i mean it does and in some ways given all that this was a huge win for Ticketmaster and in some ways Ticketmaster's like ability to create levels of plausibility plausible deniability right like so this the headline coming from this was not Ticketmaster on the ropes from failing Ticketmaster Live Nation um 
on the ropes from failing legions of Swifties <laughs> found guilty, criminally criminally liable for yeah. Yeah, criminally criminally responsible for Astroworld tragedy. Like so uh, that would have been really bad. But I, I do think that there's this increasing um and in the background for for, for this um like you said, is this increasing concern about the level of centralization and monopolization in, in the concertory industry as that as that industry becomes an ever bigger part of the like musical and cultural and economic pie. And like, yeah, it does seem like this is likely, I mean, in addition to not being normal lawyers, we're also not antitrust lawyers, <laughs> but Ticketmaster's um, massive, massive shadow over live ticketing, which we've talked about a fair bit. And like, their the ways in which that plays into their ability to also be the dominant figure in concert promotion which is live nation which you know organizes touring um once you get like the reason that merger <laughs> was designed was because putting both of those biz- by ver- but that vertically integrating was helpful and <laughs> yeah it is it's also the sign of a monopoly when you control a majority of two parts two different markets in which control of one helps you assert dominance over the other and makes it, it pushes people to, to work with live nation um, who, because of Ticketmaster's dominance and, and, and vice versa. I mean, we've also talked a fair bit about like what breaking this up would even do. And like, maybe I think in, in the context of, of this discussion we've had so far, um, like sheds a little bit of new light on the potential stakes of that, right? That, you know, we've kind of said previously, I think, and I think I, I will I'll go to the mat for this, that Ticketmaster's, whether or not you like Live Nation slash Ticketmaster, I don't think high ticket prices are their fault, <laughs> that they're the fault, you know, fault. There's a ton of people who want to see these shows and they're willing to pay a lot of money for it. And that's sort of on the on the culture a little bit and on people's demand for this stuff and on arguably like some of these shows are underpriced because of like the the waning the waning dregs of like a populist vision of of mass consumption so like there has been i think i think we've previously been somewhat like okay you break up live nation ticketmaster so what and like maybe this answers some of the so what right if you're the only game in town, you get lazy. You get lazy because there's no competition. You get lazy because no one has another option if you want to put on a show like Astro World. And when you get lazy and when you don't have to work very hard and you're not competing against anyone, not to come out like all pro-capitalist, but in this case, it's very true, like things don't matter as much. And then you maybe have more likelihood for this kind of tragedy, right? Yeah, or, or yeah, that. And also, I'll, I'll say is that you, you, you get kind of into this, uh, you know, maybe it's kind of feels a little maybe blunt to use this example, but like it feels like you kind of get into the sort of idea first put forth by like Hannah Arendt about like sort of you have this huge bureaucracy and you have like hmm. people within it making decisions that like end up that sure. are, then there isn't like a checks and balances and there isn't a sense of agency the sort of desk murderer idea and there's a sort of you're just kind of part of this bigger sort of massive bureaucracy that's like churning along and you don't feel like you have agency to say anything about it so you're just like signing off on stuff and like for this it's like you know whoever whatever subsidiary third party whatever that was hired to put on this concert by travis scott like no one's there you just oh i'll just you know i'm told to just say like make as much money as possible and cut corners when i can so like i'm gonna hire this these fucking security forces and i'm not gonna worry about whether or not they're trained or not because they're fucking security people they know what's up i'm moving on you know and so and so like it's also it's also kind of like i think that's also how it also could possibly relate like what you said but also how it could possibly relate to you know the topic of, of the show today yeah. yeah 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 
No, no, I think I think that's right. But also, like, even this, like, if you're going to throw another big concert in Houston, who would you organize it through? It would still be Live Nation. And the thing, and you know, and there's this fucked up thing, and this is also the sort of the sort of uh, I guess I don't know, ironic tragedy of this whole thing is that like the actual history of these type of like uh, mass casualty events at like concerts within the last like I don't know forty fifty years is actually like pretty yeah. rare extreme and like rare. one of them is like when pearl jam decided to kind of go out on their own and try to do shit on their own and yeah in europe that you know and so the, the fucking the horror the sort of horrific irony of this all is that like live nation are the people that are supposed to, it's like it's when we talk about when we talk about major labels it's like if you're gonna if you really want like really good promotion and you want something that's like really gonna like get pushed out into the world and you want good management because you're like a big artist actually like the big labels are like really set up for that and so you would hope that when it comes to putting on a safe fun accessible concert that like the fucking main people in this fucking country that know how to do that live nation are going to fucking do it right and that's the sort of like horrific because like it's actually i would rather at the end of the day if you ask me do you want Travis Scott to be in control of, of like creating his own fucking massive concert or do you want to bring in Live Nation, which has been doing this for like decades? You would probably be like, yes, I want Live Nation to come in. They'll be the ones to make it safer. And that's the kind of fucking horrific irony of this whole fucking thing, which like maybe that would help if they broke, got broken up. Maybe it wouldn't. But like, like, yeah, it's it's well, I, I it's do, one of those conclu- I don't really have a conclusion in the end. <laughs> I, I do thinking about that though, right, I, Saxon? Just at a, a slightly different level is also just thinking about like who are Live Nation's competitors right now, and the answer is actually given the fact that because uh, when you were describing that when you were describing that i was thinking about the history of large american companies i was thinking about boeing i was thinking about you know general electric like these big companies that used to be good at doing things and then got significantly less good at doing things <laughs> their traditional outputs over time they didn't get bad at doing everything because they started doing a new thing which is being valued on the stock market right so you could argue that what is Ticketmaster's competition, or what is Ticketmaster Live Nation's competition? Forget if they're, they're, you know, they've got the different businesses. I forget if they're actually like on listed on the stock market as Live Nation or Ticketmaster. I think it's Live Nation. Their competition is every other stock out there. So because they're not trying to outdo Ben and Jerry Productions, you know, uh, organic farm fred Vermont concert planning. Uh, because they're not, they don't have anyone like at that low level. They're competing in terms of profit, in terms of uh, profit margins, in terms of cutting costs against every other company in the world, which creates this kind of lack of, um, you know, fungibility where apples and oranges, where apples are iPhones and oranges are safe concert experiences are being compared in terms of profit margins. And like, actually, Every business is not the same, and every business can't be equally profitable, but many of them can still, you know, make enough money to make a big company run. And so I, I do wonder if that's at least think that's at least part of it. And and that that's one of the benefit potential benefits of some sort of serious antitrust, whether that's breaking up the company or whether that's, you know, not not nationalizing it, but like the kinds of serious consent decrees that monopolistic companies, if they're decided to be natural monopolies, get sometimes, right? Where they, they have to do certain things. Just that, uh, you know, that's a potential benefit because it means that you have actual apples to apples competition and you have to actually focus on what you're supposed to be doing instead of, you know, red ink, black ink bullshit. I I uh, I think that that's probably a good place to wrap this up. But I just want to say that uh, that I, I I hate that, that that this is the conclusion we came to. That uh, more competition within a capitalist society will make likely safer concerts for the kids to go to. That's the fucking depressing ass point. But <sighs> yeah. you know, it's the realistic oh, point. It's the most unidealistic point. But I mean, that's that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, 
Well, anyways, I just want to say, like, you know, obviously, like, we, we, this is a difficult subject to talk about, you know, our hearts, as we said, our last show, like, our hearts and prayers still go out to the families and everything, and, um, yeah, let's hope to never fucking see this again, let's hope that kids can go to a Travis concert, or, you know, as we've seen with the with the Ears concert this uh, this year, just the amount of joy and happiness and like tears of joy that are uh, uh, expressed, you know, emotionally, like at, at those concerts, and like that's that's what we want to see. That's what we all want to do when we're at a concert. We, we want live so, music to be safe and affordable. It seems like a very like simple ask, but. Um, yeah, let's hope. Feels let's hope crazy that, given our system. Yeah, and like whatever fucking at that, I'm at a point, and I know it's like not idealistic, and it even kind of like maybe is in conflict of like my certain like whatever social political views. But like in the end, it's like you know anything that causes less suffering and had causes this to not happen again. I'm for if that means like breaking up fucking Live Nation and creating more competition, as our conclusion of this show has come to. Fuck it, let's do it. Let's do it. Anyways, music by Bird Language. Thanks for listening. We'll catch y'all. Make sure to like, subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on all the socials. We'll catch you in a few weeks.